Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman, and I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman, who just got off the road touring with his band, Arkells in Europe, as well as our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Today on the show, so much is going on, guys. We have a new show coming out on Crave, December 21st, with so many great guests like Stig, Shaggy, Jody Whitaker of Doctor Who, Noel Gallagher, Leon Bridges, all sorts. Uh, we will get into that. Um, also on the show, we have Reggie Watts, who's amazing. He sat down with us here in Toronto at Second City uh, at Just for Laughs uh, for our live show. I know so many people uh, obviously wanted to come to that show. They reached out to us on social media. They were not able to. This is your chance to hear how that conversation went. Uh, Max and I sat down with him. But we will get to Reggie Watts in a bit. Guys, all three of us guys, we're in Toronto. We haven't recorded a pod in like three weeks. I feel like people on Twitter have been getting a little antsy. Yeah, what the hell's going on? Uh, yeah, we let them know the pod business is not stopping. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to keep doing it, even though there's been a lot of uh, exciting stuff going on. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy because our record came out and then we went on tour. And yeah. You had a baby and you have a baby. Also, Shane doesn't look like he's eaten since I've seen him last. He looks so thin I'm and unwell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got, Unwell, okay. you're so svelte. Yeah, it's it's been a, a a lot of work to get this show. Uh, but I know, I know down. you. So for our listeners, we have this TV show in the works, and I literally do nothing, and you guys are in the edit bay, just making the thing. You send look notes great. from the road. I send notes from the road, road, but it, you know that takes me a fraction of the time it takes you guys. But is there anything else going on besides for? editing stuff it feels like there's a lot of other we're just doing sound mix oh personally well just i think i went a a a month without seeing my daughter wow my wife and i live with them (laughs) 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 like and to explain to people why it's because i leave the house every day around seven ish Uh and i'm home often after midnight oh my god Uh, i'd say i'm probably home on average at 1 30 a.m so Jesus I kinda, Christ! I, I kind of because I'll walk from the bus station to my house too, just it's, to clear your head, just to get some exercise. Uh-huh. Also, and I don't want to pay for an Uber. I just bought a new house, so I'm a little like in the the red. Uh, sure, <laughs> so, you might be driving an so, Uber. So, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving myself home to double dip. <laughs> Are you going near Cliff Avenue? <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so I haven't seen anyone. I don't see anyone, and I I, I went probably about a month without speaking. Because Mike was on uh, paternity, Without speaking? paternity leave. I was gone. Oh, so I, the only person you talk to at Bell here is Mike. No one. Mike, yeah. Just Mike. And when he's not here, I'm just alone. So I'm just at my <laughs> desk, just the sound of keys just tapping. Wow. And then I go home. It was the weirdest month. And I didn't have a lot of time to eat food. So I did lose weight. You're, you're right. You How much weight did you lose? Well, I'll, last year at this time, I was 15 pounds heavier. Whoa. Because yeah. I haven't been stepping on the scale. I just stepped on the scale. I was like, Alex, is this scale right? She goes, yes. And then I was like, it can't be. It says I'm 15 pounds different than I, than I was. So then she goes, well, Lucy weighs 14 pounds. So let pick her up and see if you're 14 pounds more. And then I picked her up, but stood on the scale, and it was accurate. Wow. Even with holding my daughter, I was still a pound less than I was last year. <laughs> <laughs> it's I a feel, weird metric. To yeah. <laughs> I feel like all this weight loss, and I mean, when someone comes in, they go, man, you look really exhausted. You know, that's obviously somewhat insulting and sure. a little bit rude, yeah. but it can be a, <laughs> like a badge of honor when you've been working as hard as you've been working, I feel like, on, on this crepe ship. Yeah, well, he said svelte, and then I said thank you, and as I was saying thank you, and you said and exhausted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 slipped that in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that, actually, um, you know, so our band just got back from tour, and it was a, it was actually a really great tour. You know, I actually feel like I haven't seen you in forever. I mean, I yeah. saw you on the weekend. We we, yeah. we, went, to, we went to a diaper party. Yeah, because you look a little chubbier. 
Do I? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I was like, what? When you're happy, you gain weight. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but other than that, the three of us have not. Because Shane didn't go go to that party. He was working mm-hmm. on the weekend. But like, the three of us haven't been in a room yeah, in so freaking long. It's weird to even just pod together like yeah, this. Yeah, I'm loving it though. Yeah, yeah, it just feels feels very good to be back. So it was a good tour. It's a really good tour. You know, our record just came out, and I feel like the band had a real focus um, because we needed to learn how to play these songs. So every day we you know, went into sound check with like, okay, how, how are these transitions going to work from one song to the next or what are bits that we really need to workshop? So it felt really productive. And then the shows we were headlining in Europe and in the UK were like the biggest they've ever been, like really good sweaty club shows. So that felt really good. And also we were in a van in the UK as opposed to a bus and as a result, the band had, had to talk to each other more because when you're on a bus, you can kind of go through a day without necessarily interacting with each other that much because people wake up at different times <laughs> and then you go off and do your own thing in whatever city you're at. Uh, but this time, everyone lobby calls always the same time every morning. You get in the van. And it was really fun because the whole band was sort of talking and talking about politics and music. It was, it was like just a great vibe. So I felt, felt really good about that. But the one funny thing uh, I was thinking about was Nick and our band, um, you know, most bands, if there's like problems with a band member, it usually has to do with like rampant alcoholism or like some sort of drug abuse <laughs> yeah, or like sure. ego issues and stuff. It's it's the opposite with Nick, but it's almost as annoying. Um, <laughs> of course. Because he, he'll do a thing where he goes, oh, yeah, I'm, just not, I'm not drinking this tour. I'm like, oh, did something happen or did some doctors? He's like, no, I just made a little bet with myself. And you're like, okay, like, <laughs> fuck you, you know? But here's the thing. It's not like he holds it over your head or he doesn't – it's not like, oh, that asshole doesn't come out anymore. Like he still participates as much as – He's just quietly making you feel worse about your own bad exactly. thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and if, you know what? If I had never asked him the, in the first place – You wouldn't even have noticed probably. I wouldn't have noticed. And then – uh, I'm like, oh, where are you going? She goes, we're just going to get a salad. I'm like, fuck you and your salad. <laughs> just so obnoxious. And then, like, you know, when you fly over there, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're all jet lagged and your time zones are all messed up. So one day, early in the tour in the UK, he'd be like, oh, yeah, I woke up at 5 a.m. I couldn't, couldn't fall back asleep. I'm like, oh, what'd you do? He's like, oh, I just worked out. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I just want to kill you. Yeah. Anyway, and, and Nick is the most like, Monkly guy ever. Nick wants. He's the hunkly monkly. Hunkly monkly. And he's <laughs> another thing is he's he's looking amazing. Nick is so he looks like a better version of you. What? <laughs> Why are you picking on me? <laughs> he's coming in hot. He's killing you. He's killing Nick. Yeah. Uh, no, I say this all just because I'm jealous. Really. Uh, <laughs> Does he have abs? Yeah, man. Wow. And the thing is, like, you couldn't even really kill him for anything because it's like he participates. He does everything he's supposed to. He's not being a malcontent. He's not staying out of group activities. Yeah, and, and he's not even like lording it over you either. He's no, he's just, just sort of, doing life better than you. I know. And, 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 and oh, but no, you know the one thing I will say about Nick that drives me crazy is that he's always talking about how much he's eating. He's like, oh, you should see me demolish a pizza. Oh, oh, I'm eating. Oh, you should see all the chocolate I'm going to buy at the pound store. Oh, I'm getting so much chocolate. Yeah, you I should, know that move. You don't want to see me in a, in a st- chocolate store. I'm going to buy the whole store. <laughs> Our listeners can see you right now doing the full impression. <laughs> and then I go, Nick, have you had any chocolate so far on this tour? 
He goes, oh, no, I'm saving it. I'm saving it for when I get back. Because <laughs> I'm a pig. Because I'm, oh, I'm a pig. Oh, you should see me on a Sunday. When I'm on a Sunday by myself, oh, that's when I eat all the chocolate and the pizza. Oh, it's like, when's the last time you did it? Oh, last May. Oh, but it was a big day. I'm going to fucking kill you, well, man. Fat people are the exact opposite of that. Do you notice? They'll just, they'll always act like they're eating salads and shit. Uh, and skinny people are like, I love pizza all the time. I, yeah, yeah. You pull that move, too, I find. What you I always do? act like you love pizza and candy. But I do. I mean, I'm, oh, But you, you're a health freak, too. You know, I'm every, not a health freak. You no. are, too. I, you know every health food store. Anytime you land, you you Google the health food places, then you'll eat the bowls. When we were, but you'll post the pizza, and you'll be like, I'm a thing. piggy. I know what you're saying. When we shot the Crave show, uh-huh. the days that Max got to pick the lunch for the set, mm-hmm. what was that place he chose? Flock. Oh, no, no. the worst place. Flock was fine. You picked some other weird place, some yeah. crazy salad. What was that place? Like horrible health food salad depot. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, was <laughs> was, it, was, it might as well have been called that. And Max or I go, yeah, I'll get what Max gets. I think you got the... You well, I didn't want to feel like the pig on set <laughs> eating pizza. So the one day you actually suggested pizza, and it's almost like you have permission to eat it because sure. you're eating it. Well, okay. I, I agree that I do front in that way. Mm-hmm. But the difference between me and Nick is that like Nick actually restrains from eating any candy or chocolate. Whereas like today, today alone, I've already had chocolate and Twizzlers and some other shit. He's just like an extreme version of you. Yeah. And I find people always hate in other people what they hate about themselves. Sure, that's probably you know? it. Yeah, yeah. That's how I am. If someone's acting like me, I'm like, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's annoying. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, I, obviously I love Nick and yeah, all things considered, I could have much worse problems. Oh, also another few things about uh, the tour is um, I, I met some uh, Londoners or some uh, some Brits that love the pod. Oh, wow. uh, and they weren't Canadians living over there. They were like, they were like, we listen to the pod. How can we watch the show? So if you're an international listener, were they fans of the Raven Master? Oh no, thank <laughs> God. But you know what? I speaking of the Raven Master, that's a callback to an earlier episode. He was on a best of list in like the the Guardian or something like that. So he's a big deal over there. I know we were talking shit about the Raven Master, but he's got respect over there in the UK. Still have no clue what it is. Just, <laughs> no, no idea. Zero idea. Great title though. So you so what were their names? Do you remember their names at I all? I forget their names. Right. So, someone tweeted, but anyway, we're gonna have to figure out a way to make sure that people can see the show when it comes out if you're in internet. Can we just put it on YouTube? <laughs> I don't, can we? I don't. I, we'll have to talk to Crave. Yeah, yeah we'll have to figure that out. But um, yeah, so it's cool to, to see people that that love the show. Another funny thing is that our international fans um, that are Canadian that are coming to the show, they know not to bring a Canadian flag. Because there's been times where people go like, I know we're not supposed to yell Hamilton. Like like after the show, it's like our friend Mike, who, who's a Hamilton guy who lives in Connecticut. He's like, I saw him after the show in New Haven, Connecticut. And he's like, I gave the guys the rundown. No talking about Canada around Because they've heard you talk about yeah, it on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, exactly. But again, you know, we're kind of at the point with our band that no matter what, there's no matter where we play, there's going to be Canadians internationally, which is totally great. And but for the most part, I think on these shows, the majority of the fans were Brits and, and Germans, which is also you want a the locals. We, but we, yeah, so we had a lot of locals coming to the shows. We feel really good about that. But there was always you know people with Canadian flags, you know, and it's a funny thing because they really. It's it's a special I think night for them because they get to see a little piece of home and they're really bursting with pride. So it must be a weird thing for them to like wave their Canadian flag for me to be able to see them and then for me to give them cut eye yeah. from the stage. <laughs> Just be like, yes, I see you. I like say I say to them very sternly. I say, yes, I see you. 
and we were going to be good guests in this country. And then I carry on with the show. <laughs> and let's dive into this a bit. Why is it that you don't want these people to celebrate their Canadian? It's the same thing as the Nick hate. You hate what you love, kind of, and other people <laughs> doing of. it. I don't know. That's well, it's of. like you're like I say Hamilton right in the song, but yeah. you don't want other people yelling it out. Yeah, you well, love Hamilton. You know what it is? It, it kind of comes down to as bands are fragile entities, especially when it comes to your ego, and you you work really hard to go to these far off places and try to build a real audience there. And it's, it's, and being in a band and making, making it is an impossible thing. It's kind of a ridiculous endeavor. You've done the, the impossible. Place. Well, it, yeah, but we're just trying to build it in other places. And the reason why we don't like it is because like, Oh, we came all the way here and we didn't come all the way here just to play to Canadians. Like we, we yeah. want to make it feel like we're winning over locals. Yeah. And I think to our credit, that's what is happening in all these places that we've invested in a lot of time. But every time there's a bunch of people hooting and hollering about Canada, it kind of makes us feel like, oh, why did we do this again? Yeah, it's like all your friends and family are there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But again, that has more to do with our own insecurities and our own fragility than... Uh, than the Canadians that are just there because they're so excited to see us. Have a good time. Want a piece of home. Yeah. And, and even talking about this makes me sound like a fucking asshole because we should be grateful for any human on this planet to give one fuck about our band. Sure. Which is what they're doing. So Would the you hand, like it if they were all having like Union Jacks and stuff holding that up? Much better. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what Canadians should do, maybe. <laughs> They should fake it. <laughs> Hello, Max. <laughs> yeah, if I'm in an international international country, you must like speak to me. Fake like you're yeah. local <laughs> with the accent. Yeah. Of, if you're from, yeah, great show, man. Winks at you. <laughs> Is that our Jamaican show? Yeah, it's just a white guy. We have a Jamaican flag who's a pod fan. <laughs> um, so then, so that all was good, and then we uh, we got home, and I got home on Friday night. I flew on my birthday. Happy belated, by the way. Oh, thank Shit. you. Oh, oh yeah, I, I messaged you. You did, you did. No, it was all good. Lauren, I, I got off the plane because you're kind of on the on the plane the whole day. I got a bunch of text messages from people. I guess not Shane. Thanks. I texted you. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, then why why do you say sorry? Oh, just you didn't say. Well, because person? when I saw you in person, I didn't say. Shit. Oh, whatever. Who cares? You. We did hug though. Yeah, that's right. Um, she didn't text me, and then. <laughs> And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then I called her and she didn't pick up. I was like, Did she, is she mad at me for some reason? It turns out she was doing the thing where she was wanting to surprise me. So when I walked through the door at her place that she was there and the place was decorated and there was a bunch of snacks and Aww. a gift. It was very, very sweet. And she was like, let's go out and party for your birthday. Wouldn't it be funny if she was actually just planning to eat candy and party anyway and forgot it was your birthday? <laughs> yeah. But then had to fake this like... This is so nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this yes, is the way she is. lives when I'm gone. Yeah. She just has the, the oh, night Max, of her life. <laughs> let's party for your birthday, which I remembered. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So anyway, we ended up going out. Of course, uh, Dan Hamilton ended up showing up. This wasn't an official thing, so Shane, don't feel like you're left out of it. But we ended up going out. We had a bit of a night. It was a fun night, man. You Shut up. There. <laughs> I know. I know. I know the jokes. <laughs> um, but the next day, I was a little groggy, and I was a little concerned because I had this Canadian Walk of Fame responsibility, <laughs> uh, which is, for people who don't follow me on social media, is I, I was asked to introduce Tessa and Scott into the Canadian Walk of Fame. It's a big deal, the Canadian Walk of Fame. Seth Rogen and Evan uh, Goldberg were just Yeah, nominated. and former podcast Chris Hatfield was there. There you go. Yeah. Wait, Seth Rogen was there? Yeah. Yeah, man. They made a big deal out of it. They were and really whoa. proud. Yeah, yeah. So they actually, to promote it, uh, did a red-green parody video like six months ago when they found out they got in. No, that's I didn't know wow, that. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's so um, 
to, they the, the the Walk of Fame people sent over a script, which was a very kind of formal and vanilla kind of script, and then I sent it to you guys to give me some jokes to try to uh, <laughs> you know spruce it up a little bit, give it a little bit of personality. Yes, it's to spice it up a bit. Yeah, and your and Greg, your brother Greg, and you came up with great suggestions. Shane, you were, didn't have anything, but that I, was okay. I, it's not that I was in the hole, man. You know, you were no, no, and I knew you'd been very stressed, <laughs> man. I woke up I, I, so I think uh, yeah the, 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 the email the message came through asking us to take a look and maybe give you some stuff yeah it was funny brains yeah uh, at like, ele- like 11 p.m. or something but I was sleeping because these days with a kid you kind of pass out when you pass out but I got up at 4 in the morning with the kid and saw the email yeah so it was very uh, very helpful because both your brother's joke and, and your joke made it into the, the script. Greg's made it in? Yeah, yeah. I no, thought no. Greg's was funny because it was almost unmakeable. No, well, yeah, Greg. No, I Greg, just, Greg wrote a skit. Yeah, which well, I like. Well, yeah, Greg wrote a whole skit. Where you, like, pull out a cigarette at the end? Yeah. Please tell me you did that. <laughs> no, no, I didn't oh. do that. I just, I, just, I just used the first part of it. Okay. So to give our listeners some context, uh, he had a bit about, you know, I'll just read it. Mike's brother. Mike's brother. Saying, okay. Uh, but what I didn't know until later was that your brother Greg was hanging out with Dan, Dan, our Dan Hamilton, and he sent that like wasted at one in the morning. So that wasn't like. Did a, my brother even remember sending it? Kind of vaguely. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is a script because you're inducting Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer, who are gold medal winning Olympic figure skaters, yeah. into the Canadian Walk of Fame. And so I said, not, and, uh, but I led with Mike's joke, which is this country has a rich tradition of Walk of Famers who know how to skate, crush beers, and make grown men cry tears of joy. Not since Gordie Howe has anyone done all these things as beautifully as Tessa Virtue and Scott Moore. Huge laugh? Great laugh. My original joke had, uh, instead of make grown men cry, it was fist fight because it was doing the switcheroo with yeah, the hockey what, players. But, fist fight was in the email I saw. Yeah, that's but what fist I fight wouldn't have made as much sense because... Uh, which makes it funnier. That's what I said. Oh, really? See, because I, Scott and Tessa are not, they, they so obviously don't fist fight. And, and oh, the idea would be that they don't do it on the ice, they do it in their private life. Yeah. Oh, that was right over my head. Sorry, right. mm-hmm. sorry. Well, the jokes. Yeah, I was worked. wondering. I'm like, why is it not as funny now? <laughs> well, we figured it out. <laughs> it was my edit. <laughs> so, how did it go over in the room? So you it, say it. It went over. It went over well in the room. Did you? Mm-hmm. Did Seth Rogen do anything? I, you, okay. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Well, you know what? Here's the thing: is that I had to read off a teleprompter, mm-hmm. and I kind of went into this thing not really thinking about it much, and. And I was like, I'll just roll in. <laughs> what? Oh, it's just that's a classic Max approach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it'll be fine. But then about, it's, it's only their biggest moment being yeah. inducted to the Canadian Walk of Fame. Well, we did fine. enough research to ask you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. Hey, keep doing your life the way you do it. It's served yeah. you very well. So, and then I and then I look out there. I'm like, oh my god, this is like Toronto High Society in the very front row. Tess and Scott sitting next to Evan and Seth, and then Chris Hadfield. Bare naked ladies are there. There's a bunch of like just big wigs are like kind of everywhere. And I was like, I was like, oh man, this is hard. And also, I've never really read off a teleprompter before. Mm. And reading off a teleprompter is fucking hard. Mm-hmm. And it's not only, I mean, if you just had to stand there and read it, that's one thing. But to know, like, ten minutes before I went on, I went to Andrew Mash. I was like, what do I do with my hands? Yeah. Like, because there's no, because I wasn't in front of a, or behind a, mm-hmm. a lectern yeah. or a podium. I was just out there by myself. And so I was so. I did screw up the script a little bit because I, I was trying to make a connection with the crowd, also look at Tessa and Scott because I was sort of talking to them, but then also try to keep track of, of the text on, on yeah, the screen. Yeah, it's a lot going on. It was one of these experiences that um, if I got a chance to do it four or five more times, I think I'd actually enjoy it, but it ended up being like well, probably the most stressful thing I've done all year. This was Shit. also after going out all night for your birthday. Yeah, so I was also like had a headache. <laughs> it was brutal. Oh, is that what we're calling it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then, 
so they so they say the thing. They run a pack, and then I get to Greg's joke, uh, which is now the time has come. If anyone has any reasons why these two should not be inducted into the Walk of Fame, may they speak now or forever a little peace. And that got a, big, a really big laugh. Did it? Yeah. And then I was like, I now pronounce Tessa and Scott. And then I was like, ah, I just get on up here. And it was good. And um, oh, but the thing what happened just before that was that I walked the red carpet, and it was at the kind of the beginning of the red carpet, so there wasn't a ton of people around yet. And Evan and uh, Seth were right there. And they were taking photos with everybody. And they were, like, in a really jovial mood. And, like, there was a bunch of kind of fans that were, you know, doing selfies with them. And I was like, oh, man, I should take a photo with them because that would be great for Instagram. Thrill for them, yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah, thrill for them. (laughs) Great for their Instagram. Um, And I was like, no, no, I'm going to be a bit of a cool guy. I'll save it for later. I'm sure I'll run into them again. And then... As the, kind of the next, as the kind of the pre thing is going on, it, like it's getting busier and busier. I'm like, oh, maybe I missed my shot. Maybe I'm not going to get like kind of a moment where they have they have a second take a photo. So, just before the uh, the show starts, I'm waiting in the wings because I'm the first presenter of the night. That was the other thing. I was like, I was the first one up. Seth and Evan come back and they're frantically looking at their script at the teleprompter. And it kind of reminded me of you two guys being stressed out before you emceeing a wedding or something. Right. Where they're like looking over and they're talking. You can tell they're kind of in work mode. They walk right by me and go, hey, guys, how's it going? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, got time for a photo? <laughs> and they both go, they both kind of turn, look at me, point and go, now's not a good time and walk away. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. And then I was like. I was like, I'm such a fucking idiot because out of all people in the whole fucking building that should know better, yeah. that should know not to mess with like, <laughs> you know, comedians or any performer the minute they're about to go on before like one of the bigger nights in their lives. It's me. I should not. I should have never asked that question. Yeah. And, he, and I ended up just feeling like a stupid moron. But. And you were holding that Canadian flag, which was really yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you give him the People's Champ Award later? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. I Overdue. Never. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "What is this?" Um, oh man. Yeah. And that, like, was was there like, uh, oh no? Because then we went to the diaper party. So, so this is it. And then I was like, I got a boogie um, because I have to go to my friend's diaper party, and uh, and I never saw them again. Our friend Big Al had a, a diaper party because he's having a baby. Him and Sarah. Big Al. It was the first time I'd been out like uh, drinking. Like uh, that's right. You you hadn't had a night out uh, for what, like a month? Not since our live show, September 29th. So Jesus Christ, that's how long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I know, man. And so, but it was really fun because like a couple of our other friends uh, are in the same. But you know, like uh, our other friend Sean had a baby, and so it was fun to get together with everyone who I hadn't really seen in two months. But what was so funny is it's like I was so geared up all week leading up to going to this diaper party. I was like. Man, I'm like, I haven't been out with my friends in so long, and it's like I'm staying the night in Hamilton, so it's like I'm, I'm, I don't have to worry about going home drunk and like dropping a baby. I'm like, this is the, this is so freeing and so great. And the thing was, when I finally like laid down to go to sleep in the wee hours in the morning, like super hammered, all I did was look at photos of my daughter. <laughs> yeah, I just miss seeing her. Like it's uh... like I was such a dad cliche where I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> like all the feels are really hitting you well that's the thing it's like you just can't wait to kind of like break free and get drunk and then the minute like you're sort of like and then you have that freedom you just want to be around your kid again yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. i so i'm prepared for sort of a lifetime of the push and pull of like mm-hmm. we've got well we've got our annual champagne boys pub crawl coming up next saturday i believe mm-hmm. which is uh that's yeah. my big moment to shine i'm excited for yeah, you because you've been working like a dog on this crave show yeah 
so much is going on. I mean, we've barely talked about the Crave Show, and we should really probably be promoting the shit out of that. You know what we should do? I think we should do an extra pod episode. Yeah. About the Crave Show. That would be kind of cool, I think. Like, we I get, get, get together later this week. Yeah. And just no guests, no nothing. Just, like, talk about the show. You know what? You guys are hearing Max produce in real time on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, for those of you, I can't imagine, if you listen to our podcast, you don't know, uh, we have a show premiering December 21st on Crave. Um, we are super thrilled. The guests have now been announced. Uh, Sting and Shaggy, Noel Gallagher, Jody Whitaker of Doctor Who, Jared Kiso of Letterkenny, Alessia Carr, who's a big, big star. Lights. Lights, uh, who we love and a major uh, friend of the show. Uh, Niall Rogers is on the show. Guys, my, my, how could I be free? Leon Bridges, Leon Bridges, for Christ's sakes. We have a stacked lineup. Shane is doing hilarious digital desserts with so many people like Hayden Christensen, uh, Jason Mraz. Uh, R. Kells. Arkells, that's, right, yeah. that's I feel like it's very meta. You know, it's like well, it's interesting because you think, oh, Shane's doing it with the Arkells. Obviously, it's going to go off without a hitch. They actually uh, almost they halted the interview. Uh, yeah. Mid- oh, with, what a tease! Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, so, so you want to do a pod focused just on yeah. the show leading up to the show? So maybe we'll release it next week. Yeah, because otherwise this w- intro is going to be way too fucking long. Well, this I was wondering. One, yeah. yeah, I was wondering if you talked it all on tour and, because and, you <laughs> haven't stopped since you came back, guys. We have. Uh, Today on the show, Reggie Watts. This hey. was recorded at the live show that I was just discussing from September 29th. We, you know, not everybody uh, that listens to us was able to be in the room uh, or, or hear our conversation with Reggie Watts. And because he's such a, a fascinating guy, uh, you obviously know him um, from Comedy Bang Bang. He is the house band leader for the Late Late Show with James Corden. Uh, we get into all that, how he got that gig, why he, you know, the difficult decision to leave Comedy Bang Bang, uh, his sort of like merging of music and comedy and and his uh, very sort of unique um, improvisational stand-up comedy. Uh, we go down all that road. Max, you're actually on stage with me during this interview. So yeah, it was the one redeeming thing about me that day because I really <laughs> fucked up the open, <laughs> and then I was actually a little bit helpful in the interview. So. I thought you were great in the interview, man. You, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you actually got to open up about high school, which, yeah. was, which was interesting. So it was a fun day. Uh, a little note for our listeners. Um, this was recorded pretty hot. We, didn't, we weren't on the levels, so uh, the, the fine people at Second City here in Toronto... You know, we wanted the, it was juiced in the room, but I guess uh, it went in a little hot. So you'll hear it peaks a couple times. Hopefully, it's not too annoying. Yeah. Anything else to say about that live show? And Reggie uh, Watts, let's get guys? to it. Let's get to our conversation with Reggie Watts. All right. Oh, nice. Nice switch up. I saw that. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, here. I I, uh, <laughs> I heard you you drove a Lamborghini here today. By accident, yeah. I was like, oh, this isn't a Prius. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it was. I didn't want to be late. No. Um, yeah. I'm just. I was just borrowing one because I, I don't really. I'm, I'm not really a gasoline car kind of person, but I do love engineering. So. Instead of always making fun of the assholes driving Lamborghinis, because every time I see one, it just screams asshole compensation, all that stuff. But I just, from an engineering standpoint, I just wanted to get inside one and go, "Oh, that's why they put that there. Oh, that's interesting. Why that's over there? Why is this cluster over here? That's interesting." I, I will say the turn signals are very fun. What do you drive back home? Uh, Tesla. Oh. Yeah, I like her. She's a great car, and and it, that Tesla beats that. Lamborghini off the line every time and costs a fraction of the price. But anyways, point is, 
It's great. There's like nothing fast. It's weird when you're in an electric car. You're like, I can literally teleport over there. <laughs> and you just barely tap the thing. You're like... <laughs> but uh, no, the turn signals are great. I just want to talk about the turn signals because that's why I came out here. That's why I agreed to do the show. That's why I agreed to do the show. No, I really like the concept because at first I was like, there's no, there's no turn signal stock. Where's the turn signal? And then I realized it's on the wheel. It's just a switch. You just switch it over to the left. And then you switch it over to the... It's, that's it. It's really... Okay. We can go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, one of the places I wanted to start, which... Because uh, as I was sort of going through and looking at your career that I found really fascinating is you've done a lot of like music and touring sort of more conventionally. And then at some point, you sort of shift into elements of comedy and sort of infusing that into it. Was, that, was there an impetus for that? Like, what triggered that for you to go, oh, maybe I'm going to sort of like change lanes a bit? Uh, you know, I, I didn't really think about it because when I, when I first started, uh, you know, doing per like goof em ups in, um, like growing up, uh, in, in Great Falls, Montana, I would just kind of use anything at my disposal, anything that was inspirational that, that I'd seen that I was affected by. So whether it was like pop music or, uh, or straight physical comedy or funny looking dancing or whatever, whatever was available to, Express one on Express was what I used. So I never really thought of it as a, a switch or combining in any way. It always seemed like one thing. Right. Well, I mean, growing up was, I mean, were those things super prevalent in your home? Like, you know, is that like a big part of your sort of your parents' outlook? Like, are they musical people? Or was it like, oh, we SNL every night or every Saturday on the TV? Was that sort of the culture growing up? Well, it's weird. My parents weren't really, I mean, they liked laughing, but they weren't very funny people themselves. Um, I, I didn't have, I mean, you could look at them as characters and say like, oh, that's very humorous. But uh, they weren't, you know, going, hey, check this out. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> hey, look at this. I got this new. Let's see this turkey pastry. Look what else it is. No, but, but <laughs> it's like, I, I don't want to know. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so I didn't. So for me, it was uh, television, radio, um, music. Uh, I would see music performances. I mean, you know, I grew up in the perfect time. I, 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 I don't like to brag, but uh I grew up under Leftbridge, and um, and that says a lot already uh, in Montana. So uh, no, but I, I mean, I, I grew up in Montana in the seventies, eighties, and so TV programming was really amazing back then, and it was very focused, and there were only so many channels. So I got to watch a lot of BBC stuff. Um, you know, a lot of murder mysteries. I loved murder mysteries, anything medieval, uh, period pieces. I was a sucker for. I was like. <laughs> doesn't she just love her you know um uh, just do it just do it why is everyone but uh so growing up with a lot of that and then the, the muppet show was very funny yeah um sesame street was very funny um there were just really funny silly zany stuff there were a lot of like other kids shows in the united states like three two one contact and a bunch of blah 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 and then you had like all the the revolutionary um sitcoms that kind of evolved and and uh, kind of changed the game in the late 70s or early 80s like all in the family which was dealing with racial tensions in a very kind of transparent way. Um, so I was at MASH, you know, they did an entire episode that was first person, which had never been it's done. Experimental. Yeah, it never been done on t TV before. So there were a lot of firsts, or Hill Street Blues, the whole shaky camera uh, thing, that, that was invented by that show. So being exposed to all that innovation and all the weirdnesses uh, of the world and the advent of MTV and, and cable television, all of that stuff, that, that was like a huge rich mine for me to dive into and, and mimic and then kind of convert into my own thing. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting because with like uh, music or comedy or anything creative, creative pursuits, it's hard to make a career in that, you know, that's sustainable. So when you decide yeah. to go into that as like a legitimate sort of pursuit, mm-hmm. are your parents like, mm, maybe find a backup? <laughs> or are they like, that's awesome. We believe in you. Because your dad's a military family? Yeah. Air Force. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I would say like th- I never had any resistance at all. Um, my mom was worried about me and my dad was worried about me having good grades. But I think that they saw that I liked music. I loved music. And they saw that I was overwhelmingly, annoyingly creative kid that was always <laughs> doing things. Like, you know, I was an only child, so I would spend a lot of time in my room and I'd take apart toys and all of that stuff. So I think that they they knew that I liked being creative. And, that, um, you know, the more programs I joined at school, the more they were like, oh, this guy, this guy likes this sort of a thing. Even though I did have like a little bit of a, a kind of a, what do you what do you call that discipline uh problem with discipline disciplinarian type of people i just i, I, I talked back i didn't i didn't like when someone was like do this i'd be like but why and i, and I wasn't being an asshole just questioning I, everything i just wanted to know why i legitimately wanted to know why and it still happens to this day i mean this is a quick side but flash forward to a a bouncer you know someone a gatekeeper yes and if they say do this and i'm like but why and they're like, just do it. And they get all aggro. Then I get really aggro because it's an insult to a person's intelligence. If you, if, if a gatekeeper is, is doing their job, but then someone says like, why it actually is easier to just explain why. Cause it gets people motivated to do it on a practical level. You're like, Oh, don't put your bags there. It's like, but why just fucking do you know so as opposed to like don't put your bags there why well because during flight sometimes the thing kind of shifts or whatever and it can hurt somebody oh okay i get it all right cool i'll do it yeah you know that happened I mean? to me like last weekend trying to get into a bar and i thought the bouncer was just doing the thing where there's nobody in the club but they're still want they still want to make a yes, line outside right, right and then i was like can we pay you money He's like, no, we're going to get fined. It's at capacity. I was like, okay, that's fair. We'll go back to the back. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's nice when, they, when they're like, oh, okay, here, I'll break it down because since you asked him. But, you know, like, I love that. No, but, but he gave me an explanation. I was like, fair enough. Yeah, I know. I love that. That's, that's, that's all I require. But, but, yeah, as a kid, I would do that a lot, and I would get into a lot of trouble. So my parents sometimes were like, no, we're going to need to send this guy to, like, you know, military school or something for training of some sort. Well, do you remember as you sort of went along in your career the first time that you thought – you could legitimately like I can make a career at this like this is tangible and not just like the million other people that are doing creative work like obviously you're gonna believe in yourself you're gonna enjoy the work but was there a moment where you went oh shit like this is real I can do this as a career yeah I mean yeah kind of I mean when I was doing uh when I started doing in Montana we had competitive dramatics uh which uh you know it runs on the same kind of category or style as a debate speech and debate so there's a humorous solo humorous duo serious solo serious duo and physical comedy those are the 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 uh the different things that you could do so the route i chose the first year was humorous solo and that year I just decided to improvise, and my teacher was cool with it, um, and I devised a, a show over time, um, repeating bits and kind of developing it in real time every time I'd perform, and people started digging it, and I got third place that year um, in state, and that was like really amazing feeling, and then the second year I did Humorous Duo, we did a similar thing, we just, a friend of mine just improvised, and then created a skeleton over time, and then we won state that year, and then I 
entered into a, um, a stand-up comedy competition at a local hotel in Great Falls, Montana. <laughs> and it was up against like all these like, you know, Montana comedians, like these stand-ups. There How was stand-ups. the comedy scene in Montana? I don't know. I think it was pretty 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 Montana <laughs> meaning pretty a lot Montana. T- like tumbleweeds and you know I mean there's just like it, it's not a big scene I think you could probably say there were 20 comedians in Montana maybe but uh, I won and, and against all these like older comedians and um, uh, and that was an amazing feeling and at that point I knew like I really want to do entertainment stuff um, I think that that's all I want to do because it's I can't stop thinking that way yeah, well, this kind of gets to your stage show a bit because I'm always fascinated because it looks has the appearance a lot of improv, and I guess I was wondering how much you construct either leading up to those. Either I don't know if they're just tapings or when you tour, but or and how much you actually still improv when you're in the bits. Oh yeah, um, I mean, I try to I try to improvise. I try to never have a plan. I I have <laughs> I, I, has I, that has that ever uh, has that ever failed you? Yeah, no. Um, not never. Not not yet. Only because like you have to. Once you're on stage, you have to do something that that makes people realize. Oh, okay, that person should be up there. You know, like like <laughs> you know. And that's the that's the bottom. That's like the minimum <laughs> that, that required on stage. It's like yeah, I believe that's believable. That person would be up there. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, you know, but there's like, there's this impetus to perform and it's really fun to kind of go out and know, like you've got, you have to do something there. Like whatever is out there is what you have to use. And that's really exciting to me because if I plan too much, I tend to get very nervous and, um, and we're, and I, and I become worried that I'm going to forget the thing that, because for some reason it's just hard for me to remember. I mean, if someone says, Hey, there'll be a point and a show when this will happen. I mean, I can't remember that kind of shit, but, uh, in general, I just like not having any information and just going up and going for it. Uh, To me that that's more fun. Like for you as the performer, you're yeah. getting something out of it just as much as maybe they are. Yeah, and it, and in that way, each performance is catered to each specific audience, which and and what I'm talking about or what I'm doing can be a result of things that I heard that day, things in the news that I heard, some something I overheard, a weird looking building, a strange sound, a, you know, a, a way that someone interacted with someone, whatever. Just whatever I notice, I can bring into the set, um, and then I can also there are things that I do that I can go to like I know oh I can do a thing on a piano or I can do a thing with a, a loop pedal or oh can, like little like lifeboats if you find like a dry spot or like yeah just areas you can go to yeah, you know yeah. it's like now I'll go over here and there's this set of tools now I'll go over here and there's this set of tools and I know I, if I start something over here I could probably build on it over here that type of thing yeah you seem really well adjusted for a comedian have you always been like this? <laughs> Just because the, no, I really mean it because the reputation of comedians is like neurotic, you know, yeah. self-conscious or like you know, steeped in doubt. But you, have you always had this sort of disposition? Even talking backstage, it was just a very easy conversation <laughs> and, and it's a compliment but like have you always been like that or have you grown into that with 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 age and wisdom? I mean, I think I've definitely gotten more com- I think in general I tend to I tend yeah, and have tended to be pretty mellow uh yeah i can't really think of a time I, i've definitely been hyper you know around other performers because i'm matching the energy of people like you know and you're like ah. but I, I i i you know it's like yeah it's like what was high school like then for you high school yeah oh, it was a lot of fun yeah uh, that's what I meant to yeah <laughs> I, I loved it because I, I i guess ever since i was a kid I, you know the thing that helps you well or helped me i guess to be well adjusted i suppose is uh 
is for me, uh, you know, when I'm, uh, it, it's like I'm looking at it from an observational point of view. So mm-hmm. for me, it's it's like, oh, okay, what's high school? High school are all these like these these ways of socially expressing yourself and how you you know are divided into various groups. So for me, I wanted to move fluidly between them. So but you articulated that in your mind in high school. You're like, okay, there's, this is all happening right. Yeah. Most high school kids are just like, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh right? yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> yeah. true. But you're just like, no, there's a thing He's happening. Breaking it down yeah, like the Josh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was lucky because John Hughes came around at the um. exact time. Like I was exactly the age of every John Hughes movie, <laughs> or, or just. Slightly younger, which was great because yep. it was like foreshadowing. It's like, well, this it could be like this. It is a movie, and I knew it was a movie. But I was interested in having a Ferris Bueller moment. I wanted to have, <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to, to be in the Breakfast Club. I wanted, you know, and so I, I was I was interested in those different uh, demographics and uh, and being in a small enough school, which was about twelve hundred kids, mm-hmm. but I could kind of plan on like, okay, well, the first year I'm just going to do this. Uh, I'm, I'll join football though just to see what that's like and I joined <laughs> football you know and I'm like ah this is I like the experience but I don't really like playing the game and uh <laughs> You know, sport is bullshit, but it was a good time. Yeah, but I just wanted to be in there and go like, "Oh, this is what it's like to wear like football pads and to be on the, lo- <laughs> the line, the locker room. Yeah, with like these bars in front of you, and you can't really see anything. You're just like, <laughs> and then you just hear, like, <laughs> and you're like, "Did we win or something? <laughs> well, we gotta do it again. Like, like ah, oh, again. Um, but uh, you know, I mean." I was just interested in knowing all. So, you know, so I was like in football. I was like a nobody. I was in student government for a while. <laughs> I tried that. Um, wasn't really, you I said was, you were a goth? I was also, yeah, goth. <laughs> I mean, basically, basically my, <laughs> my junior year, I met these two guys, my, uh, Fish and Beave. Um, <laughs> uh, Fish and Beave from Montana. Fish and Beave from Montana. Uh, they were from the other school, you know, because... Great Falls, Montana is like a perfect simulation city. Um, it it has if you were to create a sim city, it's perfect. It's it has it has a river that runs through it, one river, <laughs> which kind of divides the town in half. There's one half has its own high school, my my side, ha- which was the more modern high school, and then uh, my high school was Great Falls High, which was the more traditional high school. So, and then there was an oil refinery. It's like, the, yeah, let's put an oil refinery to increase, <laughs> you know, financing for, you know, whatever. It just, and then there's an Air Force base. So everything was just perfectly balanced. And I guess the point is that there were a lot of opportunities to take advantage. Once you've understood that, you could move between different. Uh, I guess realities and demographics, and that was really fun for me. But Mike and but Fish and Beave were like really into, you know, goth music. They they introduced me to Bauhaus and um, you know Sisters of Mercy and and um, you know a- Alien cool. Sex Fiend. You know, like all, all these like crazy weird industrial goth things. So I got into that, and then I kind of found my core group of friends, which were the bullies, right? We were, no, they're, 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 I just the want to know what it's like to give someone a swirly. Oh yeah, no, uh, I never point. went there. Experienced at all? I never went there. <laughs> Although I did have a great, I did have a great experience with a bully. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was great. It was it was like football days. It was it was uh, you know there was a guy that was known to be a really hard hitter. He was like a fighter and he was a hard hitter. And people were afraid of this dude. And he was like really buff. And I remember everyone was playing a flinching game, and I refused to play this flinching game because I guess you're supposed to punch someone if they flinch. And uh, I avoided it. I avoided it. And then finally one day he came up to me. 
you know, and did this, and I flinched, and I was like, God damn it. And then, like, it was the end of the period, so he was like, I owe you a punch. Or no, he, that's right, he punched me kind of, I think he was supposed to punch me three times or something like that. He punched me twice, which was pretty hard, and he was like, about to do the other one. The bell rings, and he's like, I owe you one. So for two days, I'm dreading. It's like 3 o'clock high. If you've ever seen 3 o'clock high, this is what it is. Uh, I'm dreading seeing this guy. I'm avoiding him, avoiding him. Finally, I just said to myself, okay, he's in the locker room. Fuck it, I'm just going to face it. And I just went in there and was just like, okay, man, I'm, I can't handle it anymore. Just punch me. Just punch me. And he was like, all right, you ready? I'm like, yeah. And he goes. <laughs> and he's like, you're okay, man. And he was, <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. That's how you, that's how you, that's, that's how to be a bully. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way to play it. Yeah, I learned from the best. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask about uh, Technology, because obviously it's a, a big part of your show. I love it. And <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Love technology. I love it. Um, I, I guess, like, technology plays a role in so many parts of sort of our modern day. Obviously, it's a huge part of your stage show. Do you think that, like, do people's attention spans because of technology, does that make it, do they have less sort of time? Do you have less time to sort of, like, get them into what you're doing if you're doing something that's, like, a longer bit? Like, what's, what's, what are people's relationships like with technology now as it pertains to your show, you think? Well, I mean, I've never been, I mean, all, well, the whole time that I've performed on stage and the whole time that smartphones have developed, you know, including cameras and things like that, I've never really had a problem with people taking photographs or, or video uh, of my shows in, in certain situations. I mean, obviously, I, I prefer it. I mean, it's nice when people are like, I'm just going to watch, you know, I'm going to watch the show. But I mean, it's one thing to just like, you know, you take a clip, you know, put your put your device away. It's totally fine. I, I know that friends of mine struggled with that because they want their material burned. So if they're working on a set, they don't want, you know, people taking video so that, you know, they can, their 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 jokes get diluted, their impact gets diluted for their special or whatever. I never really had that problem since I'm improvising all the time. So I didn't really care. Um so so I have a love-hate relationship with it. Like I love that technology extends our ability to um see things in different ways, to share things. Um but also I am passionately against really bad design and uh uh and I don't like when technology is not used responsibly and when it's not good enough. And right now most of us when we interact with our phones, I could say we have about a 35% failure rate into reaching the goal that we want when we pull out the device. So by the time you pull it out, it's like, well, what kind of security do you have? Do you have a fingerprint scanner? If you do, it'll probably open up pretty quickly. If you've got face ID, eh, you know, it'll work like 80% of the time. But you're, there's a little bit of anxiety every time you bring that phone up. Like, will it work? Will it work? And then it does, and you're like, okay, cool. Now, oh, what was I doing? Oh, right, okay, this. And then, then a notification pops up, and then you're like, oh, I better check that, and I better check that, and I better check that. So it's a very poorly designed piece of technology because it doesn't make your life easier. It doesn't make your life more magical. It ends up making you a slave to the technology um, without being too sensationalist. But uh, <laughs> Set me free! I know, just let me go. Just let me do You know, it's like customization. Why can't we customize things? Why can't more things be on the screen when we look at it and pertinent that are, that are pertinent? Anyways, point is, uh, so I have a love-hate relationships so i try to work with technology companies and say like you know if you make this better people will actually love it it's actually in your interest instead of just doing cheap shots and hooking people on in these addiction loops they're all motivated motivated by advertising like if if you just have like look at the netflix model it's like subscription right and like you don't have to deal with 
commercials. You just watch what you want to watch when you want to watch it. And you pay a price, and you know that that's what you expect. And that's a nice feeling. It's clear. It's clean. With a phone, it's it's tough, you know, because you don't know what's being tracked. You don't know where it's going. You don't know how it's affecting you. You know, everyone's done that, or I'm sure you've done that experiment. I'll stop talking in a second. But, the, like, when you're, when you're, like, saying things over and over, and you have Instagram open, and then you start going scrolling through your feed, and then the thing you were talking about shows up. Now, people say that, that it doesn't work that way, but if you're not touching the device and you're having a conversation and that ad comes up, how else do you explain that these ads tend to pop up? So the phone's listening. The phone's listening um, in, in various ways, location, positioning, habits, all yep. that stuff is all being aggregated. into. And it's not like, I don't want to get too insidious about it because I don't really give a fuck ultimately. Well, you know. <laughs> You know, like for me, it's like if you're listening, whatever, I'll just do whatever I can to just thwart that or to like keep asking the wrong things to fuck up the system. And if you get a lot of people to start breaking the system, it's like, oh, fuck, oh, they're on to it. You know, whatever. They'll they'll have to deal with it. The point is, uh, I have a love-hate. Uh, with it. I think technology is amazing. I think it can enhance our lives and make it magical. But if your grandma can't use it, then it's not well designed. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. You got me freaked the fuck out now about my. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> it sucks, but it's true. Um, I wanted to ask because uh, I first became aware uh, uh, of you because of Comedy Bang Bang. We, uh, we oh, cut yeah. that show. I, I work for a television station, I do promos. And so oh, we yeah. would get the episodes, and I would cut the promos for like the MTV here in Canada, Much Music. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. So I was like a fan of the show. And then I was interested because James Corden came along, which is like this sort of big opportunity. When, it was, when you were deciding to go, was that a difficult decision? Or are you like, this is an awesome opportunity? How does that even come about? Does he call you? He's like, I'm a fan. Or yeah. is it classic, like, management reaches out or it's an opportunity? I'm always interested in the minutiae of how those opportunities come about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was on this show, Comedy Bang Bang, that was on um, IFC for a while. Um, Scott Ackerman, was, it's his brainchild. And, um, and I decided and I and I left the show three and a half like after three and a half seasons uh mostly because I didn't like waking up early in the morning uh, <laughs> uh this sounds really terrible you're just like oh I have to get up and I work every day like <laughs> I, it's like I, I get that I did that too but but my point is as a creative person I like to be able to be maximally creative yeah. and then stoked about what I'm doing because that's that's really what counts the most for me it's so after a while of being on a, a lower budget TV show where they have to cram in as much as they can, they they make these twelve hour, thirteen hour work work days yeah. sometimes. Sometimes, so I would get called in at six thirty in the morning. I usually like to get up around ten. Okay, <laughs> but the point is, I when I, once I would get to set, I would wait. I would wait around. I would wait around. I'd wait around. I wait around, and and the whole time I'm waiting, I'm like, I didn't need to be needed. I wasn't needed for that. I wasn't needed for that. I wasn't needed for that. That's inefficient. They didn't need that. Why are those people over there arguing? They didn't need to if they just solved this over here. Sounds like you need to be a situation. consultant. Yeah, I mean that's kind well, this of. This gets back to your why. Asking yeah. why. Why am I here? Right yes, now? exactly. I'm like, why? You know, it's like I understand once in a while, of course, because you want to be safe. There's a buffer. I know there's certain answers like that, but for me, I started seeing the inefficiencies, and I noticed that when I start poking holes and things is when uh, it's not the right situation for me. And I start getting grumpy, and I never want to be grumpy. I always want to be present and appreciative of everybody working on this show, anybody, interns, anybody. Once that starts to fade, I'm like, uh-oh, that's a warning sign. So anyways, I, I decided to leave the show. That's just so you know. <laughs> but I, I left the show, and Scott and everybody is amazing. It was just like a, it was just that that, <laughs> that thing. So I left the show, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue my whatever I want to pursue. I'm going to pursue that. And then I don't know what it was like. Maybe 
a month later or something like that, uh, I get a call from my manager saying like, oh, this guy James Corden wants you to be on his show, It'll be the be the music guy for a show. And I was like, oh, who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and and I just left a TV show. What I don't want to be on another TV show. I want to just like work on my stuff that I want to work on. And, uh, and then I met with him, and he was just, you know, a very, very charming guy. Um, his showrunner, Ben Winston's very charming. I offered him pot chocolate, and he <laughs> he ate it without question, uh, which... He did. Yeah. He just went for which, it. Which I'm always a little suspicious, you know, of someone that doesn't, you know, try a little bit of THC. Um <laughs> And so that was nice. He might it might have been political. Maybe he was just like, "I better do this." He's offering it to me, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll put it in the extra fold inside my mouth I, um, for occasions like this. But but <laughs> so uh, yeah, and he was just you know he just said like, "Yeah, you'll come in at this time, and you'll be able to leave by this time. You won't have to do more." Blah 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 blah. And I was like, "Oh well, if that's true, maybe." And then I thought about it, thought about it, and then. Uh, I think Sarah Silverman at one point was like, well, ask for all the stuff you want, and if they give it to you, then take it. So I, so I asked for a bunch of stuff, and, and they were like, okay. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll take it. Uh, uh, that, that was it. I don't know. I think, I think James saw me on a YouTube video. A friend of his was like, they're like looking, he was looking for a guy, sure. and he wanted a band, and then they just showed him a YouTube clip. So it was really pretty direct and sudden. But also weird that I left a show where I was a one man. I was on a fake talk show uh, as a kind of a fake band leader. There was a one man band leader, and then suddenly there's an offer weeks later to be in an actual talk show <laughs> as an actual band leader with an actual band. <laughs> was very weird. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Well, Reggie, you got the Sony Center tonight. I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal, man. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> sure, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll right. do it. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. It, it meant the world, uh, you being up here right now. Oh, man, man. my, my pleasure. Welcome to the dessert. Shane, what's going on? Long time coming. This is my fault. People won't know that though when they listen to the episode. Yeah, we were supposed to record this last week, and then one thing led to another, and now it's Monday. So sorry, everybody. I apologize on Twitter, but uh, we're, we're we're finally doing it. And and today we're going to be talking about the live show. Oh, okay. So this is hold on the live show from months ago. They yeah. just they just listened to a Reggie Watts interview. Uh, okay, yeah. So you're coming here from that Reggie Watts interview. We're now going to talk a little bit, uh, like Shane says, about that live show. Mm-hmm. So during the live show, I did a dessert. Yeah. The dessert I did for the live show was kind of like a preview for the Crave show. I showed one of our pre-recorded digital desserts on like they they had like a movie theater screen and Mm -hmm. that played. And then I actually did a live digital dessert. Yeah. But none of that stuff really plays just to listen to. And it would kind of ruin it when you see it on the Crave series. (laughs) So I guess what we're going to talk about today or throw to Mm -hmm. is the opening from that live show. Okay. The opening of the... The live show. Yeah, the, the opening open. That we did during the live yeah, show. Yeah, sure, sure. Is sure. that cool? <laughs> yeah. It's just like a Seinfeld bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. A horrible Seinfeld yeah. bit. The live show. <laughs> <laughs> 
we could just throw to it, but I thought there was a kind of funny backstory behind it, how I had planned this bit for about a week, this story uh-huh. <laughs> about us taking improv. Because we did the, the, the live show at Second uh-huh. City, uh, yeah. which obviously is big on improv. They have live shows, all that stuff. So we thought thematically it would make sense to talk about something like that. Because leading up to it, I was like, what are we going to talk about in the opening? Uh, yeah. And I remember our very first live show, you guys had this crazy, hilarious mm. opening you did. And I kind of <laughs> sat there like a loser. I didn't know you guys were going to do this mm. awesome comedy routine. And I had nothing prepared. <laughs> I thought I would just chime in. But you guys had kind of set in stone bits that didn't really lend itself to chiming. Sure. So I was just sitting there. Mm-hmm. So this... This time I thought, oh, I'm going to come up with a good bit like the guys probably have prepared. (laughs) And then midnight, the day before the show, I get a call from Max like, hey, don't worry. I got the opening. (laughs) I'm like, you got the opening. I'm practicing this this intricate bit with my wife right now. And she says, it's great. Like, no, don't worry. I got this. (laughs) I'm like, okay. So then I, I go to my wife. I'm like, great. I don't have to practice this bit anymore. Because when you have... Something that's kind of complicated and hard to remember. It is good w- once it's over, but mm-hmm. the lead up to it, I was kind of glad that <laughs> it's you a lot re- of work. You relieved me of my duties, and the sure. potential, <laughs> the potential for failure was gone. Okay. <laughs> so, is, is is the point of this dessert to play that opening and sort of embarrass me a little bit? No, not at all. <laughs> okay. Not at all. It's well, to make me look good. Okay, <laughs> we're well, going to show his okay, story. Well, a, I think a little bit of context. You know, when we had done the first live show, we had like none of us had really ever done anything like that. No. Obviously, we've all performed in different ways, but it was the first time. And and I was really delighted with my own performance. It was like, great. You know, yeah. I, I had planned a little bit, but it really killed in the room. It was at the Rivoli, yeah. and you and I both had. So we, we talked about our collect, our history with the Rivoli. Like I played a battle of the bands there. Yeah. You'd done a thing. There. I had interviewed Darren. Jones, who's a former TV personality there at the Rivoli. So we had stories. And you pulled out like an email. An email yeah. thing. It was great. And so, and I, so, I just thought to myself, like, I'm a natural. I can do this at <laughs> any day, right? It succeeded so wildly. Yeah, that you I thought like, oh, I can repeat that. So then I was, you know, when we did this show, the Just for Laugh show, our it, second live show, the second live show, it was literally couldn't have been a worse time for me to be doing something like this. for everybody. It was brutal. Like, you know, we signed up for it months and months ago, knowing that the Arkells record would, was coming out around that time, knowing that Danica was pregnant. That we were going to be shooting the Crave they show. Were shoot, shooting the, it was literally the craziest time. And also, I'll add that it was at noon. Like, when you have the juice of a Friday night and everybody's a couple of drinks in, yeah. it's that much easier to perform. But, like, you know, everyone's a little bit hungover on Saturday at noon. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it just doesn't lend to the same thing. Of course. So... But again, because I'm sort of blindly confident and optimistic, I just sort of like, I'll think of something. And what I ended up doing was sort of retreading old material. Uh, It was sort of similar. Like, I'm going to pull up old embarrassing things about myself and read it to the crowd. But I was not up for it. And also, I have no sense of like how long my bit was going to be. So you asked, you're like, how long is your thing? I'm like, I have no idea. It could be two minutes long. It could be... 18 minutes long and when it's over I won't know how long I went you know what I mean like when you have no sense well that's the actually the purpose of this preamble isn't to be like oh Max had this bit and the bit wasn't all that good because we've exaggerated how poorly the bit went over it didn't go over that bad oh really it I, wasn't, it's, I don't it's listen it's been back built to up in your head now it, okay. it, was, it was a pretty good bit the fun the actual part that was kind of funny uh-huh. is that it went so short oh because so, yeah. we're not playing your Twitter bit okay we're, oh we're not oh maybe we can sure I thought we were just going to jump to the good stuff 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we want to subject them to the Twitter bit again. Uh, Go ahead. We should play my yeah, shit, bit. Just, and when we can let the audience can know. But it was supposed can... to take up a good 20, 15 minutes before we got to Reggie. Well, Watts. this is when I called Shane so, at midnight. Then he's like, "I got this, boy," and it was like four <laughs> minutes long. <laughs> well, well, I go to Mike. I'm like, "What do we do if Max goes short?" He goes, oh, "He probably won't, but you can. We can add in an additional bit where I say I have something to say." And then you're going to cut me off abruptly. Yeah, that's the joke. Mm-hmm. And and that would kill a little bit of time mm-hmm. where I just interject, and that'll kill like a minute or two. Yeah. Should you go a minute or two short? Too short, yeah. You ended up going like 10 minutes short. <laughs> so Mike and I are like, oh, no. And I didn't know if you were still going to do the bit where you cut me off. I know. Just, which you did. I did. But then the, the, the guy, the audio guy's like, you still have more time. So I'm trapped in this half-baked routine that I've mm. done with my wife that isn't fully fleshed. So I kind of do half of my routine. It went well, though. It did go well. Yeah. Because it was, it was up against your Twitter bit. <laughs> <laughs> so you got finally some, some entertainment. So now yeah. let's uh, cut to the live show. Yeah, to the disastrous open. <laughs> I have some selected tweets uh, between 2010 to 2012. Um, as you know, uh, I'm a bit of a delegator as a producer. I don't actually know how to do anything, but I just ask people for help. So back uh, August uh, 6, 2012, this was before we ever worked together. He was just kind of a random guy that I knew. I tweeted at Webby D, who's one of the producers at the show. Yeah, hey, if you guys listen to the podcast, that's Webby D. Webby he D. does all right of here. our online stuff. Dan Crothers. So you tweeted at Dan so before I tweeted, knowing him. Hey, Dan, great seeing you this weekend. Do you have any pics from our Tree Stage show on Saturday at Oshiega by any chance? Just kind of like a, like, you don't have to owe me any photos, but you came through. You tweeted right back. Thank you very much. Uh, Shane, September 2nd, 2012. You tweeted at Shane? No, he tweeted something and I replied to it. A lot of people are saying I'm exactly like Tom Hardy in Lawless. (laughs) (laughs) That was a joke, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Um, Was it? Um, Yeah. Um, August uh, 14th, 2012, uh, a young fan named Erica. Uh, tweeted, uh, wondering why Max didn't wear his iconic denim vest at MTV Live on Monday. Uh, six years later, Erica is now a producer on the show as well. So here Yay. we go, Erica. And then her friend, uh, Maddie Donaldson, uh, replied to that uh, tweet uh, with a photo of me in the vest. And, and now uh, Maddie is a tenant in my house in Hamilton. Uh, which is also fucking very strange. He, he's here to collect rent. That's what all this is about. <laughs> Um, January 15th, 2012, uh, Rob Lowe is one handsome man. I still believe in that. Uh, the, my, so Dan also, uh, is Dan here? Yeah, there he is. Yeah, he has a series. Whenever I go over to his place and take advantage of his sweet air conditioning, uh, he, I leave my shit kind of everywhere. So when I've been in the house, like my backpack, my pants are off. Like, like I'm just sort of like naked lying on the couch and he just doesn't even mind. And, uh, you should my, see his tweets. <laughs> well, <laughs> right? And uh, my original uh, roommate, uh, Jug, uh, he said, new series of tweets. This was November 23rd, 2011. Things Max Kerman leaves around our apartment. So this has been going on for a very long time. Uh, our friend The Nut uh, tweeted in 2011, uh, happy Hanukkah to my Jewish pals. Special Jewish shout-outs to Max Kerman. He's <laughs> a very thoughtful guy. Uh, now, this one's a little concerning to me because I know um, in July 25th, 2012, I think Mike and Danica were on a break. 
Danica tweeted something about dental work. Wait a second. Wait, this is my pregnant wife who's in yeah. the audience right now? <laughs> she said, never book major dental work at 7.30 or ever just avoid it. And, I, and then I responded. I screened that call every time. But, so I think I was trying to make some moves. Whoa. On my wife? Yeah, it all worked out. Uh, DNA test. Yeah. Uh, she didn't bite, clearly. Um, I, I was complaining about hotel check-ins back in 2012, and I still do that today. And then... Uh, and this, this just, it's like a personal diary, really. Uh, no, I'm glad they paid money to hear this. <laughs> and uh, November 12th, uh, 2011, uh, this, I quoted a friend, you know it's sweet getting drunk because that, that's when everything happens. Dan Hamilton, Vancouver, November 11th. So, <laughs> so anyway, it's safe to say that nothing in my life has changed whatsoever. I'm still hanging out with the same Great gang of guys. And it's also amazing that I get to do work on this podcast with Webby D and Erica. So give uh, those two comrades a big hand of applause. I mean, we okay. still got a little bit of time until Reggie comes out. I mean, we're, we're on All a good right. tight hour. I'm running point guard here. so Okay, so um, I, I had a bit. This is going to be hard now because I don't have perfectly planned. But we're at Second City right now, and... Um, Mike and I actually took Second City improv classes. <laughs> That's uh, true, yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of people may know that Mike and I have worked together for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And four years ago, a coworker suggested that uh, it would be a good team building. You know what? I think it's probably time to bring Reggie out. This is a really... <laughs> <laughs> Do I leave? <laughs> is, that, is that real? Or? No, go for a bit more. Okay, um... <laughs> So a co-worker suggested that we take improv as a team-building exercise. Our boss thought that was a good idea and sent out a company-wide email asking if anyone would be interested. And only three people replied to the email. It was Mike, myself, <laughs> and the co-worker. Yet, yet our uh, company still agreed to pay. And I was really excited about taking this improv class because four years ago, I was under the impression that I was a funny person. And, and then I started this improv class. And then the teacher, he opened it with, oh, I know everybody wants to be funny. He goes, but don't try to do that. Don't chase the joke. In improv, try to chase the character. Try to create a really great character. And in the long run, it'll help you. And then eventually, the comedy will come. And I was just kind of like, okay, I've seen SNL. I'm pretty sure I know improv, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> then he goes on about like yes anding and all the, the basic improv tools you're supposed to have. And then he says, okay, we're going to take a 15-minute break. And then after that, we're going to do our first improv exercise. And then as soon as the break hits, I start thinking of funny stuff <laughs> for, for the bit to do. What you're not supposed to do. We get back from break. And sure enough, everyone starts going up to do the exercise. And the exercise was a monologue where you kind of create a character and the instructor told us to just go along with it, lose our inhibitions, be really confident. People start doing it and they're all swinging for the fences. Everyone's trying to be hilarious and they're all failing. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, watch this. I'll show you like real comedy. <laughs> and I know you think like the joke's gonna be all oh, like I failed horribly, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I killed. I was getting laughs like left, right, and uh, center. I can't really remember what the bit was, but it was... That's convenient. You, well, 
well, Reggie's here, and I don't want him coming out being like, I was the funny guy. But, um, no, I, <laughs> but but I, I, I got, like, do you remember this? Like, and then I got like a, a big. Like, oh, you did. I remember you. Yeah. I remember you did really well. Yeah, I, I got like, like a standing ovation. You did. I was Everyone wondering. was already standing, but like, typical? Typical. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. They, they were standing, and then they clapped, <laughs> which technically is a standing. Yeah. And then you were next, and you're really good at evaluating the situation and kind of one-upping it. I'm like, shit, if there's anyone who's going to do better than me, it's Mike frickin' Veerman. I don't even remember. Okay, go ahead. So then Mike gets up, and he decides to listen to the teacher's advice. Oh, yeah. And he, like, really listened to the teacher's advice. Like, he wasn't funny at all. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he got really dramatic. And again, I don't remember all of the bit. It was just... It was just super awkward. And then at one, at one point, he goes, I love my brother. I have a brother, and I love him. You said that before. That's a go-to move. And I was like, my brother? My brother? I was like, this is a really weird New York character. That's like Brando or something in fucking yeah, Stella. You, well, anyway. Yeah, you went like full method weirdo or something. Wow, yeah. I was listening yeah. to the teaching. Yeah, and then... Uh, Okay, so the coworker, I didn't tell you this and you don't know this, but the coworker couldn't make it, the coworker who suggested that we enter the improv classes. Yeah, the guy that started this whole thing. So afterwards, he just texted me. He's like, oh, how'd it go? Boom, I call him right away, of course. And I was like, how did it go? It went amazing. I'm an improv savant. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm just good at this shit. And he's like, oh, how did Mike do? He must have done well, too. It's like, ah, I don't really want to kick a guy while he's down. But, <laughs> you know, some people aren't cut out for this thing. Mike's one of those people. <laughs> and then I guess the long story short version is in the next class when we actually had to uh, interact with people in a group of four, Mike did very well. <laughs> And I did very poorly. Well, I had to abandon the brother mm-hmm. uh, routine <laughs> yeah. very quickly. Because I realized that um, I'm fine when it's like a monologue, when I can control the narrative, but I don't know anything about politics, sports, geography, or general life. <laughs> I find if you don't know anything, you're at a massive disadvantage for participating in improv. <laughs> And that's why I hate improv, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad we're here on the stage at Second City. Yeah, I'm not going to be doing improv today. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you so much to Reggie Watts. Thank you, everyone, that came to uh, the live show. Uh, it was a great time. And hopefully we do another one again. Yeah, I want to do another one. Yeah, baby. We have, like, a tiny window of time in January. Maybe we bust another one. And we told people, if you paid to go to that Second City show, which we'll talk about again uh, when we have a lot of <laughs> bring your ticket because you get in the next one for free. Yeah. We don't know when it's going to be. Life's been very busy. But yeah. Well, we'll get to it. We'll uh, get to Mike it. on Much can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Mike on Much. Huge thank you to Jenna Gregory and Tara Paquette for putting together the artwork. Uh, Webby D. Man, he's, he goes underappreciated. I know we haven't spent too much time with Webby D lately, but shout out to Webby D because he's one of the guys. Mike on Much podcast produced by Max Kerman. I'm your host, Mike Beerman. See you next week. We don't die on the weekend. <laughs>